All right, welcome in another episode of the Auburn Football Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Williams, again. Um, Today's episode, we are going to break down Auburn's signing class, but just the on the defensive side of the ball. So, um, yeah, we're going to get straight to it. I'm going to bring some just basic kind of analysis, some things that I see from watching these guys on film, and then, uh, you know, just kind of give them a uh, projection on what I see them bringing to the Auburn football program in the future. So, let's get into it. All right, so I'm excited about um, today's episode. Again, we're breaking down, obviously, the uh, defensive signing class, Auburn, uh, their 2021 signing class. So um, felt good about, uh, as the squeaky toys get going, um, felt good about waiting just to, you know, obviously the class is is not going to be totally completed at this point um, as I record 2-12 Friday. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to record something about a signing class until I felt pretty good about you know, the fact that we'd have everybody in there. So, um, yeah, I, I like, um, you know, I think Harson and staff did the best, um, you know, did the best that they could under the circumstances. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think they got some pretty good pieces and, uh, you know, we'll kind of go through everybody here. So the way I did this is again, it's just defense, obviously, um, literally we're just going to go by position groups. We're going to start with the defensive line and then work our way through linebackers and uh, secondary players. So, um, first guy on the board, we're going to look at Lee Hunter. Okay. And, um, not only, you know, I mean, of course he is the highest rated class or rated, uh, kid in the class. He is rated the number 80, uh, player nationally by two, four, seven, the uh, seventh rated defensive tackle, um, in the country and the fifth player in the state of Alabama. So, <clears throat> You know, I mean, a fairly decorated guy. I um, I tend to think he's actually a little bit underrated um, as far as national recruiting services go. Um, but we'll talk about why. So the way we're going to do this is again, I'll you know we'll, we'll kind of I'll I'll give my take uh, just from watching these guys' tapes, and then I'll give a few uh, comparisons um, as well after we kind of pick out some of like their attributes and some of the things I see. So. Lee Hunter, defensive tackle, 6'5", 292 is what he's listed at. He, I would almost guarantee he played most of this year at over 300 pounds. I would definitely guarantee that he's going to spend, you know, his entire Auburn career at, at you know, 300 plus. So um, I would kind of anticipate him being more in like the 6'5", 320 range just because of how long he is. Uh, but yeah, here, here are the things that I gathered from watching him play. Um, now, quick caveat, okay. I'm not going and watching these guys live. Um, you know, I currently live in Arizona, so it's like, obviously I'm not going to go uh, watch these Alabama high school kids or just Southeast high school kids in general. But, you know, um, I'm, I'm familiar with how to watch film. And, um, you know, so this is just given the caveat that this is strictly on uh, the film, the same film that you guys can go watch. And uh, honestly, you know, again, before we dive totally uh, headfirst here, what I would kind of think would be cool for you all is, you know, anybody listening is take, um, you know, take my analysis on these guys and then go and, and watch for yourself. You can find, you know, most of these guys, you find their tapes on huddle, um, of course, but take what I say and then go watch, uh, you know, through that lens and see, um, you know, see if, see if you kind of agree, disagree, or, or pick out, um, different things than me. So here we go. Okay, here we go. Lee Hunter. Here's the breakdown um, in my perspective. All right. 
obviously the thing, the two things that jump off immediately, size and strength. Okay. The guy's huge. He's, he's huge. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, as fans, we're, we're kind of like a few steps removed from seeing these guys and being in a physical space with them, like in close proximity to where you can really understand the different sizes of people. So what I'm trying to say is, you know, I think about like Nick Fairley, okay. And even like Derek Brown. Okay. And we'll talk about him in a second, but you know, when, when you look at Lee Hunter and it says six, five, 300, okay. Nick Fairley was kind of in that range. Derek Brown was kind of in that range, but like some people, a six, five, 300 is a totally different look. Like some people are just huge. Like Nick Fairley, you know, I was in very close proximity to him. Um, and it literally him standing next to a pool table. It looked like if you just like tilted the pool table up, like in kind of a vertical position. So basically just took one end of the pool table and just pushed it up to where it was kind of, you know, standing up, uh, you know, perpendicular to the ground. That's kind of like the space Nick Fairley would take up. He's just a massive human being. The same thing for Derek Brown. Lee Hunter is one of those guys, like, you know, look at his height, weight as much as you want to. So six, five, 300, but you, you really need to understand like this guy's arms are huge. Right. And he's just, he's just a massive human being. Um, so that obviously jumps off the page. Now with that, he, you know, he's not just a massive human being, like even, you know, Nick Fairley, um, super, super big dude, but Nick Fairley did some freakish things. He had strength, you know, that was kind of throughout his body where he would you know, run over offensive. I mean, we saw that from Derek Brown, um, you know, in 2019, he took that LSU offensive guard and literally threw him, like catapulted him into Joe Burrow with the force that was enough to knock Joe Burrow down on his butt and cause a sack. Okay. Like that's ridiculous. Lee Hunter has those types of, of strength and size traits. Okay. Um, you know, two gap. Okay. So meaning, I mean, first off, you know, he's not going to get moved around a ton, even by double teams. And there's a couple other guys um, that we'll talk about as well. He's going to be able to maintain two gap integrity. Okay. And, and you think about, you know, early downs, um, you think about moving him around on the, on the defensive line. He played, a lot of five technique. So that means, you know, lining up head up with the tackles. Um, I think, I mean, he, ha he has ability to play three tech. So that's in between the garden tackle, um, kind of where you would see Derek Brown line up. He has the ability definitely to, I think, play a five technique, especially as he kind of continues to develop when his, in his body gets in the coll collegiate um, strength conditioning program. Um, gets, you know, better at movement, mobility, especially in his hips and stuff like that. Maybe gets a little lighter on his feet. That might be the one kind of um, negative of his right now is just super foot heavy, if that makes sense. But he's, it's just so strong that in high school, it just doesn't matter. He literally just, I mean, nobody moves him. He pushes everybody around. Um, what I liked is at times he looked, you know, athletic. I mean, he, he ran some plays down from behind. He ran some plays down. Um, you know, laterally just in pursuit. Um, I like the fact that he's got super long arms again, kind of what we talked about. So that helps maintain distance between him and the offensive lineman. 
So, you know, if an offensive lineman can't get like really into your chest, um, it's a lot harder for them to, you know, control you. So um, one other thing is he played against really good competition. Uh, Blunt plays at a pretty high level um, in Alabama. I think they're six. They might be 7A. So 7A is the highest classification in Alabama, but they're either 6 or 7A. Um, you know, they I think they went to the semifinals and lost to Spanish Fort um, before Spanish Fort went to the um, – went to the championship game. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that, but, uh, so good competition. So that just, I mean, of course, you know, good competition in high school doesn't mean that he's facing six, five, 300 pound, you know, sec offensive lineman, but it's still better than, you know, just w- watching him toss kids around on film that have no business being, you know, across from him. So, um, yeah, you know, one, one thing I did with him that I didn't do with anybody else is I wanted to see, all right, he's the seventh rated defensive tackle. He's a four star, He's, you know, 80th uh, ranked player nationally. I wanted to look at, okay, who's one guy who's rated higher than him and who's one guy that's rated lower than him and try to see, almost like put myself in in the shoes of these guys on 247 and kind of understand um, why they rated him the way he did. So not, you know, not just the fact that whatever his kind of n- numerical rating is, the, you know, 96.9635 or whatever, but you know, how he stacks up against other people and what they see. So I looked up um, the number two defensive tackle. The reason I picked the number two defensive tackle because he was um, closer to his height and weight. So number two rated defensive tackle, I think he's going to LSU, Mason Smith. Um, and he was, you know, again, 6'5", 300 or so. Well, it was interesting to see. And again, this kind of goes back to what I opened up, you know, by saying about Lee Hunter is it's interesting how different – Mason Smith's body composition was relative to Lee Hunter's. He was much longer. Um, to me, a composition or a, uh, not composition, but a comparison with him was like Raquan Smith. Like somehow he's six five three hundred, but it doesn't like he has a lot of fat. You know, he's just it's just evenly distributed throughout his super long limbs. Um, so you know, comparing Lee Hunter to Mason Smith. Again, Mason Smith longer, but he also looked less powerful. And that kind of makes sense. Lee Hunter, maybe, um, even though he's, you know, very long himself, he seems a little bit more like compact and powerful, especially in his low, lower body. Um, so Mason Smith, a little bit less powerful, maybe less overall strength. Uh, but, you know, Mason Smith has a little bit better lateral movement. And that makes sense. Um, and really, even positionally, Mason Smith looks like he might be used a little differently. Like he he looks like he could almost be more of like a strong side defensive end and more of like an even front, like a four three. Um, and you know, and with that, he might be a little bit of a better pass rusher. Um, you know, Lee Hunter, he you know, in the same way as Derek Brown. I mean, Derek Brown was, and I'll go ahead and spill the beans. I have a comparison. I have a comp for every one of these guys, and uh, for Lee Hunter, it is Derek Brown. Now, I know obviously Derek Brown was perhaps the best defensive tackle in Auburn football history. So if I compare Lee Hunter to him, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Derek Brown. I'm not saying he's going to be a top five draft pick, um, anything like that. But some of the things that he does, I can't help but, you know, think that it looks like what Derek Brown used to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as what Derek Brown used to do, right, we're, we're talking about Lee Hunter being more of a run stopper, um, as far as the effect he has on the game, but he's just so strong and big that sometimes that 
you know, it lends itself to being able to push the pocket, rush the passer to affect the passer, um, you know, hands up, arms up, uh, batting passes down, that kind of stuff. Um, I think he has every bit of, you know, the capacity to, to develop into a player that has a massive effect on each game that he plays in. So pretty excited about him. Um, that's kind of my, you know, my take on, on some of that. So moving on to the next uh, prospect here, we got Marquise Robinson, another defensive tackle. Six three three hundred, and I'm taking you know I mean I'm taking basically what these guys are listed at on their two four seven profile. Some of these guys have a lot different, especially the DBs who want to be taller than they are. They have you know different heights listed or different weights listed on like their huddle film or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, so he's listed at six three three hundred. He looks a little shorter than that to me, unless you know he just happens to play against people who are relatively tall. But um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he was more like six one and a half. Uh, you know, 300. So it's kind of funny that the first thing I had written down, I like his pad level. Uh, it may be just because he's he's a little shorter than, you know, what it seems. But uh, I think he plays with good pad level. Uh, it looks like he gets underneath a lot of guys. And you actually don't see that a ton with interior defensive linemen at the high school level, especially guys who are just physically dominant. They just, you know, throw guys around and make plays. Um, so I like his pad level where it's at right now. At times, he has like, I don't know if I want to call it elite, but I would say well above average explosiveness or first step. So again, that's at times. It's not it's not there all the time. But there are certain plays where, you know, you could just be watching the film and not even like looking for him. And when the ball snapped, he it just like catches your eye um, how powerful and how quick his and explosive his first step is i mean he gets into either the you know defensive lineman that he's set up against or maybe the double team and and he you know he moves them and, and creates a lot of problems um average size i would say um you know i, I can't say he, he's not super long um he's not i wouldn't even say he's really going to be the fastest biggest strongest guy but I think he plays with really good leverage. I think he does a good job, like with his body. I think he's athletic enough to move, you know, laterally. Um, it seems like he does a good job of not getting displaced by double teams. So, like when a double team, uh, you know, fires off and attacks him, it doesn't like he gets moved a ton. Now, again, you know, he's not he's not going against SEC offensive linemen, but that's still, you know, I mean, it's still a good sign. It's still what you see on tape. Um, looks like he's good at disengaging and finishing, meaning. All right, I've got control. We've talked about this, you know, when we talked about like Derrick Mason's defense and stuff, two gap schemes. And I almost want to dive into a <laughs> trying to decide if I want to dive into like a um, a complete tangent with that. But we'll, we'll maybe I'll do that in just a second. But basically, you know, the two gap scheme, as a very general sense, um, you know, I can I control the offensive lineman that's blocking me. I can go right or left depending on what's happening with the play. It seems like he had, he, he does a pretty natural job at disengaging, getting off the offensive lineman, and then finishing, meaning like he's in a decent position to make a play. And whether he takes a couple of steps and, and kind of dives and makes a play or um, he's, you know, he's in the hole that the, the running back is trying to go into, he makes the play. Um, and that's that's kind of a trait that some people kind of have and some people kind of don't. So it's good that he at least has that ability right now. Um, for a comparison, I actually think this is a really good comparison. Dontavis Russell, um, you know, he was listed at like 6'3", 330. So even if Marquise is actually 6'3", I think that would be a very good comparison from just a physical standpoint. But even what Dontavis Russell did, I think we, again, mentioned him when we were talking about, um, you know, Derek Mason's defense. Just being able to, you know, plug, fill, 
create walls. Um, don't get, again, displaced by double teams. Don't get moved. Um, and then just kind of do a good job of finishing when you have, you know, an opportunity to finish. I'm going to take a pause and uh, see if I can round up my dogs. See if I can in, get them to uh, stop yelling at you guys. All right. I hope everybody is a uh, is a dog owner and can uh, can uh, sympathize with the situation there. They're always going to make a, a showing on the podcast. It, I don't, you know, I maybe can just lock them in a room for the next time I do this. But anyway, um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish our defensive front, and then we're gonna talk about some stuff that I keep hearing that's. I just, I want to like address as far as, but basically I just keep hearing people talk about three, four, three, four, three, four, three, four. Oh, we're going to have four. We're never going to have four linebackers on the field. Okay. Like extremely rarely, like it's hardly ever going to happen. Um, let me just get through the front seven here. Some of these guys, and then we'll, we'll kind of jump into that before we get into the secondary players. Okay. <sighs> Compose yourself, Taylor. All right. Ian Matthews. Um, I'm writing him as a defensive end. I think he's actually listed as a strong side defensive end. Let's see. All right, where is he? Oh, no, he's defensive tackle. So 6'5", 290 is, is his, you know, listed height and weight. To me, he looks just a little more like, you know, he might be that tall, Um, but he looks a little bit more like maybe 6'3", 6'4", and then like 280. But, um, yeah, some of the things I picked up on him, he's an athlete for sure. Um, we've, or I would say we've all seen, you've probably seen the, uh, basketball highlight, you know, he's got some basketball highlights. He's, he's like, you know, doing some pretty cool stuff on the court. Um, as far as his football film goes, you know, he's out there running double moves at receiver and, you know, catching a couple of touchdowns. It definitely looks as if the competition is poor at times. Um, he, it looks like he's playing against a couple of good teams, uh, but from the film, you know, that I saw, it looks like competition's pretty poor uh, most of the time. So I don't know if he plays in like a low cl- classification or exactly what that is, but, um, you know, not an indictment on him. It's just sometimes it's hard to, you know, get a good read on exactly what's going on. Uh, but to me, I see him as a true like five technique pass rusher slash strong side defensive end. Um, he looks to me like a guy that doesn't, I don't know if he's going to be able to carry 320 pounds. Um, so I don't know if he'll ever be able to, you know, put on a lot more weight. So he may always kind of hover around that 280 to 290 range. And, you know, at that, at that size and weight, you're probably not going to be super effective as a true, you know, more of like a nose or even a three technique. So I think the five technique type of position will, will suit him really well. Um, and I think my comparison, um, if you're with me, I I think kind of highlights this as well, but Andrew Williams, um, he was number 79, played a few years back. You know, he made some really good plays at times and he was really long, um, but he was always kind of that tweener, you know, I think he was probably 6'5", 280, 285, uh, something like that. So, you know, he's never going to be like, you know, a run stopper on early downs. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's probably going to struggle if, if he's getting double teamed and stuff like that, but he's, he's got good size and he's really athletic. Um, and I think he can, I think he can, you know, find a role and, um, and probably serve his purpose on more like pass rushing downs. And just in situations where we're playing teams that throw the ball um, at a high rate, you know, your old misses and and pe- people like that. So 
Um, I like what he is as a prospect, and obviously he's just going to have to continue to develop and and again just <clears throat> find a role. And Andrew Williams was that way. You know, he really didn't carve out that much of a role until he was probably a senior, um, and ended up contributing. You know, I think at a at a relatively high rate. So I think that's a good comparison for him, and I think he's got a, a chance to be a really good player. So um, we got another defensive end here, uh, Tobek. I think he's Tobechi Okoli. I think he's the way uh, Brian Harson. Um, said his name. So 6'5", 250, definitely more like a strong side defensive end. He's super long. All right. That's kind of the first thing that jumps off to me. He's very long, long arms, long legs, long torso. Um, he's strong. So a lot of times you get, you know, long guys. I mean, you even think about like Romello Height, people like that. Um, Big Cat Bryant, you know, to an extent. Long guys who who may not have strength, and especially in like certain situations, certain body positions. But he looks like he's just strong throughout um, competition is definitely questionable. It's hard to, it's hard to tell exactly, you know, what level he's playing against. They don't look very good. It looks like he's just, you know, like we said earlier, like just throwing little kids around the whole time. Uh, but with that, you know, he's good at disengaging, making plays. <clears throat> he plays high. Uh, but again, that's really common as we discussed earlier, especially if you're a taller defensive lineman, um, you're not really forced to play with good leverage, um, at, at, you know, low levels in high school. So, you know, very common, can be taught. Um, the only thing about that is <clears throat> there is a little bit of like a natural, you know, hip mobility, bend, that type of thing. Um, so you don't know if he really has that, but the player that I'm comparing him with, Nick Coe, uh, he didn't have a ton of that either as far as that, like, that bend ability. Um, but the fact that he's just so long, he's strong, I think he's, you know, he's probably fast enough. Um, I think he can develop into a player the same way Nick Coe did. You know, Nick Coe was one of those rare guys that um, was constantly an off-season hero, and he he actually, you know, started to live up to to the hype a little bit. Um, a lot of times those off-season heroes never really develop into the person that you hear that, you know, that is showing out on the practice field and et cetera. But to bet you reminds me of, you know, somebody like Nick Coe may, may you know, I would probably going to take a redshirt year. And then maybe his second, third year in the program, he starts to show up as a guy who can who can be a difference maker. So that's what I see from him. I think he's got, um, you know, like a lot of these guys, I think they're going to need a little time, but they've got good traits. And uh, as long as they put in the work, I think they're going to be pretty good. So to finish out kind of more of the uh, front line here, you've got Eku Leota. So, of course, he's the Northwestern transfer, graduate transfer, but I think he's got three years left. So, I know, um, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably listen to all the other, you know, different podcasts or message boards, that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not like breaking news or anything. Um, but, you know, just as far as what I see from him, I know there are some guys, like I listened to the Locked On podcast uh, with Zach uh, Blackerberry. I think he does a really good job. I think he has, you know, good people on and they, you know, I think it's just a fun thing to listen to. But um, he seems to like this guy a lot. And I don't, you know, I think other people do too. I don't think I like um, Eku as as much as some folks, but which is totally fine, of course. Um, I don't see that like elite first step or that elite burst off the line of scrimmage um, as far as like pass rushers. I mean, you think about you know our best pass rushers uh, in the Malzahn era specifically. You know, you're talking about Carl Lawson, um, even Jeff Holland, uh, of course, D Ford. You know, specifically Lawson and Ford. I mean, they're their best trait was that like just unbelievable first step, right? It, as soon as the ball snapped, they're already, you know, I mean, that first step 
they get to their first step before the offensive lineman gets to his first, you know, pass pass step. So um, he doesn't have that. I don't think I would say a good, not great first step, but you know, he, he's got, I would say he has like a really high pursuit rating uh, for doing that, you know, kind of Madden rating. I think his pursuit is really good. It just seems like, you know, he's not necessarily just going to win on athleticism. I would say like overall he has average athleticism, which is not, a, a bad thing. It just means, you know, kind of average for that position for what you want, which by the way, I put him as a Jack. I know we don't really know exactly what we're calling that position, but, um, and we'll talk about uh, the three, four in, in just a second, you know, more, but, um, I put him as like a Jack. He, he's definitely gonna be like an edge player. All right. Uh, clearly, but, um, but yeah, I mean, high pursuit rating, um, he's kind of a right place, right time guy. Um, I would say that, you know, if the offensive tackle gets his hands on him, he struggles a little bit. I mean, it seems like he's got a decent second move. So if he does try to use, you know, speed and bend, um, you know, as his first strategy on a play, it seems like if, you know, if the offensive lineman gets his depth and that kind of thing that he can redirect a little bit and use like an inside move. But if the offensive tackle gets his hands on him, he's going to struggle a little bit. He's listed at six four two fifty. Um, when he has the opportunity, he definitely finishes plays. I'll, you know, I'll definitely give him that. Um, my comparisons, I couldn't get Eric Anders out of my head. I know the, the other comparisons have been really recent Auburn players, but I couldn't get Eric Anders out of my head. Um, you know, size wise, they're not super similar. Eric Anders, I think was listed at like six one two thirty during his, his, uh, last year at Alabama. And again, Eku being six four two fifty. but, um, as far as a guy who's on the team now, I think Caleb Johnson is a pretty similar comparison, actually. Um, you know, I thought Caleb did some decent things last year. Um, kind of a, you know, I hate to just say these guys are like just average, but when you're talking about SEC NFL type like players, you know, that, that really is kind of what I see. So, um, you know, and even Eric didn't really have a, you know, any type of NFL career. So, um, you know, I think Eku can bring some depth and I, th- I think he can be effective rushing the passer. I just don't think it's going to be from an athletic, like, I don't think he's going to just rely on his athleticism to win. It's going to, you know, technique and, you know, good hands and leverage and good angles and stuff like that. But he seems like a really smart guy that's going to work really hard. I think he's going to be really a, a great addition to the team um, in total. So I'm excited that he's on board. Uh, and, you know, I just, I don't think he's going to lead the team in sacks or anything like that. I just, I think he's going to be a really good addition and it's going to provide us with some pass rushing depth that we de- desperately need. So, so that's good. Um, the last guy here that's kind of rounding out the front seven is, you know, the only true linebacker in the class, Joko Willis. Again, you know, if you're listening to this and I'm sure you listen to all other kind of stuff, um, you know, everybody likes Joko Willis. Dude is a great prospect. He's listed at 6'3", 215. You can easily see him playing at, you know, 6'3", 230. Um, he's, a, he's just a freak athlete, played wide receiver in high school. He's got, you know, highlights from uh, 2018 when Kobe Hudson was his quarterback, actually. Um, you know, doing all kind of really good stuff. You know, making like some <laughs> pretty ridiculous catches from the wide receiver position. Um, you know, he he's his speed and his pursuit are elite i think for a for you know a good size linebacker change of direction twitch um playmaking you know what i mean if if the ball is in his area he's gonna he's gonna make an interception he's not just gonna like brick it off his hands and you know i mean he's a playmaker he's an athlete 
he hits through contact. You know, he doesn't slow down. Um, and that is a, that is a, you either have that or you don't. And there's a couple other guys that I think have it that we'll talk about in a second, but you either have that or you don't. That That is very hard to coach. So, you know, I mean, to me, the interesting thing with him is not even, okay, what traits do you see on film? Anybody can watch film and know, okay, that guy, like he, he has, he has what you want. The question and the interesting topic for me, for him, um, is where's he going to play? Because I looked this up a a second ago because I thought I, what I thought I saw on signing day was I thought that Auburn football's Twitter account, um, said something about like, to the effect of watch out quarterbacks, you know, for Joker Willis's film. Now they did say something like that about Eku Leota, but they didn't say that about Joko. I don't know if I just saw that wrong or if I actually did see that. Maybe they changed it. I mean, that's kind of conspiratorial, but I really thought that the first time I saw, um, you know, like some somebody put his film on Twitter when he signed that I thought they said about, you know, warning the quarterbacks. Uh, talking about, you know, Joko being a, a more of a pass rushing linebacker. And then you hear, you know, Brian Harson talk about him and he talks about he, you know, Joko being a, a versatile guy that can do everything from the linebacker position. And he says that that's exactly what they want. Okay. So just kind of reading through the tea leaves a little bit. All right. And, and this is really, this is going to be a good time for me to, to break some of the scheme down a little bit. Instead of thinking about our scheme as a 3-4, okay, and I wish every Auburn fan could hear this because I, I just I can't stand any more people talking about a 3-4. Instead of even addressing it as a 3-4, it would be much more accurate to say it's going to be an odd front scheme, okay? So yes, 3-4 inherently means that it's odd, just meaning because it's 3 instead of 4, right? 4 is an even number, 3 is an odd number. And it kind of starts and ends with you're going to have like a nose head up the center and you're going to have two guys head up the tackles. But really what any odd former 3-4 scheme does now is they take those same three guys, all right? So typically it's three guys that are 300 plus pounds or at least close to it. And what you're going to do is you're going to slide them one direction. So it could be an over if it's toward the strength. It could be an under if it's away from the strength. And then what you're going to do is you're going to roll one of those linebackers down to be the fourth player. All right. So, you know, um, Kevin Steele was very much like a, you know, I know people say it's like a four, two, five. I think a four, two, five is a really good way to explain, you know, in a very simplistic way, his base kind of scheme, because you've got four defensive linemen. All right. Now I know he had a buck or whatever, but it, I mean, it really was four defensive linemen, two inside linebackers, and then, you know, nickel slash star, and then your regular corners and safeties, okay? The difference is, is now you've got three almost defensive tackles, okay? So instead of a nose and two defensive ends, it's really three defensive tackles, and then what I'm calling a jack, all right? And then you've got two inside linebackers, and then you've got your secondary guys, okay? I think that's a way more accurate kind of way to think about what we're going to see. So to me what you're looking at is, you know, I I mean, Colby Wooden's going to start, right? So he's, he's going to be one of the defensive tackles that will be in more of like an end position. So to me, he would be probably the furthest away from the center of the, of the three guys of the three, you know, interior, if you want to call those interior defensive linemen as almost like a strong side defensive end playing at, you know, 
270 or so, right? So Colby Wooden there. And then your other two interior guys, I mean, you've got, I mean, whoever you want. You got, you know, Jay Hardy, maybe Lee Hunter, Tyrone Truesdale, of course. Um, you know, I mean, they got plenty of deep interior defensive linemen, um, uh, Dre Butler, all those guys, right? Um, I think you're going to see that. And then you'll see, you know, we'll have a Jack in there. Like, I think that could be Ekuliota. I think it could be um, Derek Hall, uh, Romello Height, maybe, um, you know, maybe, um, now I'm blanking on my guy, Jaron Handy. Okay. Just depending on, you know, how, can they drop into coverage if we need them to, that kind of stuff. But, Having said that, you know, if it's not going to be hard to slide a Joko Willis or an Owen Papo or as a Kobe McLean into that jack if we if we need them to, right? And then instead of those three heavier guys, you kind of get three pass rusher type guys in there on pass rushing downs. Or even, okay, another way an odd team gets more pass rushers closer to the line of scrimmage is they go from kind of their three, three, five under or or over into like a two, four, five. Okay. So yes, four linebackers, right. But you're, you know, you got two, you know, two linebackers on the edge. So that, I mean, imagine this Owen Popo and Joko Willis on the edge. And then you've got Jacoby McLean and another guy in the middle, you know, um, TD maybe, or, you know, anybody that can play in like a pass, pass situation, or even it could be a sub, you know, it could be a sub linebacker, like a, um, who was it that played there last year? Um, Ladaris played Tennyson plays a nickel and then uh oh gosh, can't remember his name. Anyway, but you know, any type of sub linebacker situation, or whatever, but now you've got an opportunity to put, you know, some 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 of your most explosive guys on the edge, uh, Joko Willis and Owen Popo, and then you know, Jacoby can kind of handle it in the middle, and then your two, you know, Lee Hunter and Jay Hardy or whoever else, Colby Wooden in the middle. So, yeah, I mean, I say all that to say, as far as Joko Willis goes specifically, it seems to me that just reading through Brian Harson's comments that those linebackers are going to do, they're going to have more versatile roles than what we've seen in the past, okay? I mean, the last few years you've seen our two linebackers be in the middle of the field. Now, we've gotten creative at times, even just bring green, green dogs from the middle. And, I mean, I think we've we've seen Owen line up on the edge maybe a handful of times, and I think more his freshman year, but I just think, you know, Joko Willis, it sounds like he is the prototype they're going to try to recruit, so it'll be interesting to follow that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they use them. Uh, but I would wager that not only is he going to be put in, like, a, a situation to rush off the edge, he's probably going to be put in a situation to play in space, almost like a hybrid linebacker nickel as well. So we talked about that before. I think Jacoby McLean could be a candidate for that kind of role as well. And it's just going to be really interesting, but Joko Willis is, um, of course he's playing in the spring, so that'll be strange. Uh, but I think that'll be kind of cool for Auburn people to, to track that and see how he does this spring as well. Um, comparisons. I have a couple of interesting guys. I couldn't get Alec Ogletree out of my head. Alec Ogletree never really, <clears throat> You know, I would say he never really – I wouldn't say he ever developed into a guy that took full advantage of his athleticism. I mean, he played in the NFL for a while. Um, obviously, had a pretty pretty good career at Georgia. But um, Alec Ogletree and, and Roquan Smith, some kind of – you know, both those are Georgia guys. But, you know, Alec Ogletree was the long, super athletic type of build that I think Joko is. And Roquan's a little bit more compact. But Roquan just played with so much speed and aggressiveness that I think um, there were some traits 
from his game that I saw in Joko. So very excited about him. Obviously, I think, you know, everybody is, um, you know, he's probably top two or three, um, you know, in, in this class that I think Auburn fans get excited about. So really interesting to track his career. As far as the secondary goes, we'll start with um, the cornerback position. So we've got Kamal Hayden, Hayden, something, um, 6'2", 185, so he's a long guy. I actually like his movement. Um, and when I say movement, just like literally means when you watch them on film, do they move well? Do they, you know, change direction a little bit? Or, you know, you talk about like greasy hips, right? Like oily hips. Um, is he somewhat fluid? A couple, you know, one interesting thing with what I see from him is, of course, he's playing in the in the JUCO ranks. Um, he looks pretty grabby right now. So, you know, very handsy. Um, sometimes that can be because one of two things, either a lack of top end speed or just a lack of trust in their own speed. Right. So maybe they are fast, but they just don't trust it. Um, at the Juco level, you, you definitely probably don't want to see somebody that, um, either doesn't trust their speed or doesn't have the top end speed necessary to not use their hands. I mean, it's great to be aggressive. And of course, I mean, you know, even recently with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean, I mean, they're very aggressive, uh, in, in press coverage. So of course that can be a positive trait as well, but it's something that, you know, I mean, you don't want to have somebody just rely on that. Um, you want them to rely on footwork and leverage and, and their eyes and, and, and that kind of stuff, and then use their hands to just disrupt, um, timing disrupt you know the receivers um leverage on you and how they, how they try to stim you and all that kind of stuff so you know um he looks like a pretty good tackler one interesting little thing is you know maybe he gets a look at safety i mean if, if he does struggle with just top end speed um you know and and you know he he tries to use um his hands as as more of a as an assistance to cover up for maybe his lack of top end speed. And again, I have no idea what he runs in the 40 or hundred. That information doesn't really exist. So, you know, I could be wrong, but you know, it's just, he's got good size. Um, and you know, he, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, you know, throughout spring ball, if he doesn't really perform very well at corner, he could get a look at safety, I guess is all I'm saying. I think this comparison speaks to that as well. Um, for better or worse, Auburn fans, I know Nico Thorpe was not a, uh, highly regarded player at times or maybe his whole career. Uh, but you know, what's weird about Nico Thorpe is he was actually super fast. He was one of the fastest guys on the team every year that he was on the team. Um, he actually played in the NFL a little while. I think he still plays in the NFL as um, probably a, a special teams guy as more like a gunner. Um, but you know, Nico was very tall. He was long and he was one of those guys that to me, um, of course with his, you know, top end speed, he just didn't trust it. Uh, and he didn't move that well, his hips, you know, and that kind of stuff. He was a pretty stiff uh, player, but he used his hands and he was kind of grabby to cover up for his uh, lack of trust in his own speed, I think. So, um, but I mean, all in all, Nico Thorpe had a pretty decent career. If, if, if we had more talent on the team around him, then maybe he wouldn't have got exposed as often, you know, we would have maybe put him in better situations, but um, you know, he had a decent career at the end of the day, he really did. And then he played in the NFL. So I think if Kamal Hayden uh, develops and you know, if he has a career like that, I think that'll be a, a good thing. So, um, next cornerback, I've got 80 diamond. He's a really interesting dude, man. He, um, he's listed at six foot one seventy five. kind of, um, you know, kind of that average high school secondary, uh, build he's athletic. He's got plus ball skills in my opinion. 
I wouldn't say he has elite speed, so he's definitely not like a track guy. But to me, he he plays with a high IQ. Uh, he he's patient. Uh, of course, he's on the same team with Lee Hunter, that blunt high school. So he's he's got you know good competition that he's going against. But um, to me, he's kind of the opposite of what we were describing as far as not trusting speed. To me, he he trusts his athleticism to be able to not have to rush into things. He can, he can let the, you know, kind of flow of the play go and, and, and know that he's in a good position. And then when he has the opportunity, you know, he makes the plays, he wears number 15. So maybe this is kind of a a biased opinion, but I think a comparison for him is actually Nehemiah Pritchett. Um, He, he looks a lot like him out there. Um, And Nehemiah Pritchett had a fantastic year. So, um, you know, AD Diamond is obviously, you know, he's not a high ranked guy and, um, you know, he's not even ranked nationally. He's the 116th ranked corner, uh, by two, four, seven, the 57th player in the state of Alabama. So he's definitely, you know, he's, he's very underrated for a guy that, you know, is signed to play at Auburn, but I think he's, I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. I mean, Neil Pritchett needed a couple years to develop and AD Diamond probably need one or two years, but, um, I think could develop into a really good player. I like you know, I like what I saw on film. So um, the next guy, Juwan Gaston, the safety. This is another guy that Auburn fans, I think, like a lot. And, you know, I think he returned like seven kick uh, kickoffs for touchdowns this season. You know, he's got interception pick sixes. So it's hard to, you know, you, you don't really know if you're just parsing out stuff. Um the first time I watched his film, I, I, it didn't like jump to me. Of course, he was he was he was producing right, like he was making plays. But as far as just the traits and like kind of the athleticism and how it how it translates, um, the first time I watched his film, I just didn't really see it. Uh, I went back and watched it again. You know, he, this is this is what I have. Okay, fearless, doesn't slow down at contact. Again, you either have that, or you don't. In my opinion, he's a playmaker. He's a producer. Okay. He's never going to be the biggest. He's never going to be the fastest or the strongest. All right. But he's smart. And I think he's going to get it done most of the time. The biggest thing with him, I think, is, of course, he's, you know, just like everybody else, he's going to have to develop. But I think the biggest thing with him is finding a way to avoid mismatches. Okay. So for the last few years, we've seen that nickel position get completely destroyed because you've got undersized guys, even if they've got speed like Jafaris Davis but especially guys that are undersized and don't have elite speed like Christian Tutt, okay? And I even think, look, Darius Tennyson is going to, I think, struggle at times, and I think he's really good, but that position, I've, I've said it before, that is the hardest position, I think, in football today, that nickel position. I think Juwan Gasson could in, end up being a nickel um, just because he's got that kind of playmaking. I think having him around the ball as opposed to, like, a deep free safety, I think is going to be a good thing. So I could easily see him kind of transitioning into a nickel player especially with his size at 5'11", 187. But um, the comparison that it kind of got in my head and I couldn't get it out was to Charvin Bell. And Charvin Bell was undersized. Um, but, you know, he, he had he had that vibe and that personality, and he developed into a really tough player. You know, when he first came to Auburn, he got kind of criticized for not tackling. He didn't, he didn't play a lot because he wasn't a willing – tackler and a physical player but he he almost kind of developed that as a skill set which is very rare uh Juwan Gaston doesn't have that problem but Charvin Bell was always kind of the guy that seemed like he was in the right position and he was smart and he was a leader 
and he was a playmaker and he produced, even though he wasn't, you know, he didn't have the most, uh, the, the best like set of tangibles. So I think Juwan Gaston could be a guy like that, have a really good career at Auburn and make a difference. And of course we know, you know, he, he, he's kind of modeling his track after Daniel Thomas and, you know, I mean, I don't see, I don't see any reason why he couldn't develop into, you know, a late round draft pick. Um, he seems like he's got a lot of good traits. So I think he's going to be a fan favorite. He seems like a guy who's going to work really hard and he seems like he's going to love Auburn and, and that's always great. So excited about him. Um, the next safety, Amari Harvey. So one of the higher rated guys, um, let's see, he was number 211 nationally, a four-star, the 14th ranked safety in the country, 30, the number 30 player in, in the state of Florida. So uh, 5'11", 175, again, just kind of that average um, that average build. But one thing, you know, watching his tape, man, is he's rangy. He just covers ground. He, he might not be the fastest. Like, you know, I don't, again, I don't know what his top end speed is like. Um, it's 40, 100 meters, stuff like that. But He's very rangy. Um, he's got really good ball skills. I mean, he makes a few plays that I mean, he, I mean, he attacks the ball at the highest point. He's, he's got a one-handed catch in there. Um, he's got really good ball skills, so that's great for a safety. I mean, again, we've talked about that before, and we'll talk about that in a second with Caden Bridges. But there's a big difference in being a position and then getting the interception or just having it as a you know pass breakup. Um, and guys that can, you know close on that like they can get that get that deal done kind of using a sales uh, perspective but you know when you're in position to get the deal done you, you need to close it and some guys are just are they're better at getting interceptions and some guys aren't and that's ball skills and that's you know i think it has a lot to do with playing multiple sports sometimes but mari harvey rangy ball skills i think he's fast enough um you know that's one thing i will say that's 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 part of the thing that separates some of these guys who aren't that highly rated, but they're still good football players from guys that are really high, highly rated. Basically a lot of times, you know, the guys that are the, you know, higher rated guys, they have the skills that we're talking about, but they also have elite speed, right. Or they have elite size or, you know, whatever. There's something that they have that makes them elite from just like a raw athleticism perspective. And these guys don't really have that. Okay. And I don't think Amari Harvey really has that, but again, He's fluid. <clears throat> he reacts quickly. Um, there's a couple of really good shots in there where, you know, he's kind of taking his, it looks like more like half the field read uh, drop from the safety position. He plays a lot of single high. I mean, he looks like they just kind of let him play free, free safety. So maybe even in, in the one I'm thinking of, he's just playing, you know, middle of field reading, but he's getting depth. And then, I mean, you know, the quarterback, as soon as he, his eyes move to the right, you know, Amari Harvey's already flipped his hips. He's running full speed. And and the only reason he was able to make the interception is because he react he reacted quickly um, to the quarterback. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, he's, he looks like an average tackler. And again, average doesn't mean bad, okay? <laughs> like, it just means it's not like he's booming people. You know, it, it just looks like he's a, um, a average tackler for an SEC secondary player. So that's, you know, I mean, really a good thing. His comparison... Uh, I have it at Jordan Peters. I mean, Jordan Peters had a, you know, as a true freshman, he, he, I remember playing in the iron bowl, um, you know, against, uh, I think it was Jerry Judy on that slot fade on third down and making a play. And then, you know, he, he played a lot of downs for Auburn, um, over his career and maybe he's going to get a shot to play in the NFL, uh, that being Jordan Peters. Um, so, you know, I mean, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I think they're, they remind me of each other as far as their, um, kind of ranginess, um, 
you know, fluid, decent athletes and and good tacklers. So Mari Harvey there. Uh, and then the last guy to kind of round out this, this episode and, and the defensive class, another safety and probably the guy that's getting the most uh, attention actually being the lowest rated guy in the class from Auburn fans is uh, Caden Bridges. So six two one ninety. Uh, it's great size. He's obviously just from his height, you know, he's long, but some guys, again, they're long, like he's got long arms. So just getting somebody's height, it's not going to tell you the dimensions or kind of the, uh, the ratios of their body parts. Like he, he is a long guy. He's physical. Um, you know, Auburn fans love him already because uh, there's some plays on his film that he absolutely just lights people up. Um, from different people, you know, different positions. So, you know, whether that's in the box against kind of a wing T, whether that's out kind of in the slot against screens, um, you know, coming up from a deep middle safety to, you know, smoke somebody across the middle of the field. So um, that stuff's exciting to watch for sure. I love the fact that he's a multi-sport athlete. I think we've, again, we've covered that, but, you know, he's a highly rated baseball player. I think he's going to get a chance to play baseball at Auburn as well. And that just matters. It matters, again, to close those opportunities you have to get interceptions, tracking balls. I mean, if you're a baseball player, especially if you're an outfielder, and I would assume he's an outfielder, you're tracking you're tracking balls. I mean, that, and just the more practice you have at that, the better. Um, I think he's got good fluid fluidity for his height, so just movement. Um, so, you know, and I would just say he's a baller too, but his comparison to me is Smoke Monday. If you go and watch Caden Bridges' height, or excuse me, his uh, highlight tape, and you go watch Smoke Mondays from from high school, it looks very, very similar. Um, the one thing that looks a little different to me is just the fact that Caden Bridges moves a little better. So even on Smoke's um, high school film, you can tell he's a little stiff. He's a little, you know, too um, narrow in his body, if that makes any sense. Um, and it just looks like Caden's a little bit more of a rounded out athlete and uh, just moves a little better. So I think, you know, potentially that that means that he's a little bit better in pass coverage, hopefully. Um, you know, just depending on exactly what his body, I think he's he's still developing. Uh, clearly, he's, I mean, he, who knows? He might end up being 220 pounds and, you know, doing some real damage by the time he gets out of there. And maybe he's, you know, more like a Sherwood type player. Um, but, you know, really excited about his potential. It's It's hard to nail down exactly what he's going to be, but his high school film looks like smokes. Um, and I think he moves a little better. So, um, you know, there's a reason everybody's excited about what he, uh, what he might bring to the program. So that, um, that really rounds out the, the defensive class. Uh, of course I will be bringing us a, a similar type of breakdown for the offensive class, uh, soon. I, I typically Fridays are kind of my off days. So I, um, you know, typically I get around to doing this stuff on Fridays. So just, you know, be on the lookout for that if you enjoy um, some of the content that I bring, but I always enjoy doing it. It's stuff I'm going to do anyway. Um, so if I can share it with somebody and maybe, um, you know, engage with people, then that's going to be a more fun way to do it. So appreciate you listening. And uh, until next time, take it easy.